get the E-Radio SA app right now for free on the Google Play Store. Entertainment Radio on the go. It's Wellness Wednesday on E-Radio and this October is also Mental Health Awareness Month. So we introduce you to a brand new series on E-Radio called The Lowdown on Mental Health with Lowe Breitenbach. Lowe, a very big hello to you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for this. I'm glad there's finally a platform where we can normalize this topic a little bit. So just before we get started, just tell us a bit more about yourself. So I am uh, by trade or by uh, experience, I am a theater owner and a TV presenter, but I have also walked a very long road of more than 22 years with uh, several disorders. I actually have seven diagnosed disorders um, that are mental health related. So uh, last year, um, I started a project called The Gate of Hope to engage in mental health, where we can break the silence and normalize it a little bit. So, um, yeah, overall, my passion is helping people and being involved in the arts and using the arts as a platform uh, to effectively communicate with others and break the silence to help them find themselves. Just to elaborate a bit on uh, the lock project, I think that's brilliant. People can basically put a lock on a gate, right? Yes, so we have a a gate here called the Gate of Hope that's Mm, at the mm. Lalt Theatre House and uh, we have encouraged uh, other people who would like to put uh, green ribbons or locks with notes uh, on their own gates to do so. And what it is for is just to create mental health awareness. So if you know someone that's suffering of mental health, you don't necessarily have to suffer from it yourself. It can be um, that you are an ally or someone who's supporting uh, suicide awareness or mental health awareness and then uh, you can either attach a lock with a note of encouragement or the entire green ribbon for mental health awareness uh, around the gate at uh, Lal Theatre House or then your own gate at home just so that when someone drives past who uh, does have mental health problems Mm. that they can see they're never alone and that there are people constantly being there for them praying with them walking the same road the same journey and uh, that they don't have to feel hopeless and lost because there's so many people around them that are going through the same journey who might not be brave enough to speak about it, but they certainly are brave enough to uh, leave a note or tie a ribbon so that you can see you're never alone. Lo, what a beautiful uh, initiative. Was it all your idea? I wish I could take all the credit, but um, I actually uh, read up on it online mm. uh, where they did a similar project in the US, uh, just purely uh, one individual taking some initiative and we just elaborated on it to add some ribbons and then the notes and prayer requests that people can add to these gates. So um, I can't take all the credit, but we do believe that it's a first in South Africa well done. Uh, that there is. And hopefully more people will join in because it's definitely not owned by anyone. It's not a patented idea. It's just something that uh, you can show your fellow human um, that you are there for them. So it's all just about being good humans and being kinder and loving louder. Well done. Love it. Uh, Lo, where exactly is this gate? If you had to give us the address. 
So we are situated in Houting. Uh, so we are 20 Bartlett Road in Bayers Park. And then there are also several houses um, around the um, different communities. I know there's one in Fishhook as well, uh, close to Fishhook Primary. So uh, there's one in Cape Town, one at 17 Campbell Road uh, in uh, Johannesburg. So um, there are quite a few that are popping up. And as I say, um, listeners or uh, allies are more than welcome to also start their own gates uh, for October where they can tie these locks with messages of hope or green ribbons around their own gates. Let's uh, get that going here in the garden route. I think that would be absolutely fantastic. If you're listening, yes. let's do it. Let's do it. I, I'd love to do it, but I don't have a gate. <laughs> <laughs> Tie it on a fence or on a door, any way where it's visible. They, they took my fence as well, so that's not going to work. <laughs> no. Welcome to SA. Yeah, I'm just kidding, actually. Uh, low today, uh, we're talking about uh, anxiety and understanding anxiety. What is your uh, path yeah, with anxiety? So I was clinically diagnosed with um, PTSD at the end of last year. Mm. And then uh, social phobias and uh, social anxiety disorder I have had since a child. Uh, I think I was diagnosed around the age of 13 or 14. I was diagnosed with uh, anxiety and social phobias. So it's something that I've learned to um, embrace a little bit more and not run from so much because I realized that uh, we often, uh, you know, we fling terms like OCD around and we go that, oh, I'm OCD because I like things a little bit perfect or I like things in a certain manner. Mm. But um, to have uh, OCD and to have obsessive compulsive personality disorder, OCPD, are two very different things. So, and all these things tie in uh, with anxiety disorder. And I think now, especially during COVID, we all experience some form of uncertainty and angst about the future and mm. what the new future would look like. So I feel if there ever was a time to speak up about uh, these common experiences, uh, that we don't often talk about it is now. How do you cope with uh, anxiety or how did you cope in the past when it was really bad? I mean, uh, kind of looking at your lifestyle, you seem to be out there and very social. How did you cope? So <laughs> my main coping mechanism is thanks to years of therapy. <laughs> and mm. then, of course, um, I am uh, medic on medication as well. And that's also mm. something uh, that I will touch on a little bit later because uh, we need to remove the idea that um, – it is something terrible to admit that you're taking uh, medication for your illness. Um, but uh, some things that you can do to relieve your anxiety, um, if it is not uh, clinically diagnosed and you are just feeling anxious at the time, is to practice mindfulness. And there are several um, techniques that you can go about that. Uh, yoga and Pilates are wonderful stress relievers as well. And then uh, generally just making sure that that you uh, take time for yourself and fill your own tank of happiness and not be so obsessed with making everyone else around you happy that you kind of lose out on yeah. your own happiness or lose yourself in the process. So to be in the moment, be present, uh, practice breathing, 
Um, there are so many exercises that are quite simple and easy um, to help you um, at home. And then, of course, uh, environmental anxiety is one of the biggest factors contributing to angst at, experienced at home. And that would be um, if you are not comfortable with your workspace, you're not comfortable with how your house looks. So um, something like decluttering or um, just having a general cleanup of certain spaces having a to-do list um, in your day planner, just small little things that you plan your day with to remove uncertainties. Because the more uh, uncertainties that are removed, the easier it will be for you to cope with your day and the pressures that come in your day. So for me, I like doing simple things like preparing my meals the evening before. Mm. I already put out my polls for the next morning. My outfit for the next day is chosen the night before so that it eliminates the options the next morning. And um, yeah, small little habits that you learn to make your day and your life a little bit easier. Lo, how did you find uh, that anxiety? How did it affect your relationships, uh, uh, your partners? Were they understanding or was it kind of difficult for them to get it? Look, I think um, these days we are a little bit more open to it. I don't always know to what extent we are open to it, but at least now there's some awareness about it. Mm. Um, When I was a bit younger, there were a lot less access to it and very few people admitted to having uh, any form of social angst. And uh, the problem with anxiety is that one of the coping techniques uh, is avoidance. So we often avoid work, we procrastinate, mm. um, schoolwork and family get-togethers fall behind or we say yes to events that we know already in our minds we don't want to attend and then uh, sit with that feeling of guilt for cancelling on number 99 That's because it. it's just so overwhelming to go out. And it's not that we don't want to go out. You really want to be there. You really want to show up. And it's as if your body just won't allow you to do that. So, um yeah, it, the fact that you uh, don't always have control over your emotions has such a big impact on everyone around you. So uh, in my case, uh, I think it's why I've been single for such a long time as well, um, because a lot of the people that I did um, spend time with just didn't seem to grasp the, um, you know, the severity of uh, these disorders, because we always think of anxiety as just feeling a little bit nervous or we have a little bit of stress and uh, there are uh, actually eight different types of um, anxiety disorders that you can have so um, it also depends on the severity and the type of anxiety that you have whether it is just a a general anxiety disorder GAD or whether you have panic disorders social phobias um, and then agoraphobia, separation anxiety, mm. um, the selective mutism that we find in children often that if they feel very overwhelmed, they won't speak for a certain amount of time. Um, and then, of course, there's medication-induced anxiety disorder that comes from uh, like certain drugs or uh people who have had a history with alcohol abuse. So it really is so dependent on the individual's experience of anxiety. 
And that's why I say that the only way to break the stigma is by educating ourselves to mm. go that if you know someone says they have anxiety, to dig a little bit deeper out of your own without asking them for all the questions, because that would probably just make them more anxious <laughs> because yeah. half the time people who suffer from anxiety uh, don't know what's happening to them. We are just as clueless as the rest of the world uh, we don't understand our feelings necessarily we just feel super overwhelmed and uh, that's where education comes in and really doing research so that if you have a partner or a family member or a child that uh, suffers from a even a general anxiety disorder, to have that research down. And it's widely available on SADAC. I mean, if you just Google anxiety disorders, you'll find all the eight major types of anxiety with uh, warning signs and possible treatments that you could consider way before you have to get to medical help, you know, mm. a form where you have to take medication. And I think that's why so many people are afraid to speak out as well because they're scared that the moment they admit they, admit they have anxiety, they're going to have to go on to medication. And it's not always the case. Mm -hmm. Well, Lo, I must uh, really uh, identify with what you said. I can really relate to uh, cancelling events. Uh, I think we're prone to do that at number 99, especially. You think you can do it, <laughs> yes. and then you can't. And then let's be honest, uh, afterwards you feel like such a failure and, and uh, dropping your Absolutely. friends and dropping yourself, you know. And uh, sometimes maybe you need uh, medication and you'll take a pull just to, to get to it, and then you still can't do it. And then you feel, or maybe you, you go after you took the pull, and then you feel like, oh, I didn't do it on my own, so now I feel like a failure. And the exhaustion that comes from being in that environment. Oof. And if you do actually make it to the event and you manage to put up a brave face uh, for the hour or two that it takes to be at that family gathering or that premiere or that movie, the moment you get home, you are so drained that it takes you two days to recover. I Absolutely. call it a social hangover. <laughs> yeah, I call it a yes. social hangover. Because <laughs> if I see a lot of people, I need like a week of not seeing anyone just to reach charge my batteries and um, mm. just be grounded again and find my source of happiness and find my source of energy again. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it. We need to realize that life is not just extroverts and introverts. Some mm. people um, can have uh, personality types from both ends of the sphere. So in my case, I really enjoy being social. I love being with friends and family. It just gets super overwhelming. So I um, commit to, um, in my diary, I commit certain times that I say, this is my family day or this is my friend's day. If my friends can't make it on that day, sorry for them, they can see me next month. But mm. I'm done running around and people pleasing at the cost of my own health. Mm. And if there are events, what I've learned um, – over the years, whether it's a family gathering or a birthday or whatever type of event it is, is that there's no harm done in saying no. If you have to close your eyes and visualize what the experience would be and it doesn't make you feel good inside and you think you're going to be uncomfortable, it's good to cancel ahead of time. And when you do it in an honest way and you cancel um without making up nonsense or last minute panics and you do it in a nice way, I'm sure that the people you have in your life will be understanding of that. And on that note, I also want to tell 
the listeners out there that if there are some of you guys that don't suffer from uh, mental health, keep on inviting your friends even when they do decline. Yeah. Um, because just the fact that you have been thought of and the fact that someone wants you there means so much for someone who struggles with mental health issues. They might mm-hmm. not show up today and they might not show up tomorrow, but eventually we will get the courage to show up and have a jolly good time. <laughs> but um, it lets the other person know that they are not alone and that you want them there. And um, yeah, it calms them a little bit to know that they have people in their corner. Absolutely. Uh, also, low uh, in the past, I'm sure you've also uh, kind of experienced it, that uh, people, they just don't really understand sometimes when you cancel. They think you're just being difficult or even think you're being snobbish or, or, or something. Have you had that as well? So my experience with that has been a case of ups and downs. But I'll tell you that the... Um, what I found out is that the people who usually don't get it or want to write you off are not true friends. If you have That's someone right. in your life who really cares about you, the unfortunately, the responsibility falls on you to communicate your illness with them and tell you, uh, tell the, the other person what they are experiencing, what they are feeling, and why they can't commit to all these social gatherings. But if that is someone who respects you, someone who loves you, and someone who values you as a human, they will not force you to come to something that makes you feel uncomfortable. And those are also not the type of people you would need in your life. I know work functions are a little bit more difficult. They're not so easy to get out of. But um, then what I usually do, if it's something that I have to attend, I usually also set a time limit. So. Mm. I will um, take a moment and we need to remember that we don't have to RSVP right away. You can take your time and say, I'll think about it and just have a look at my schedule and I'll get back to you. And when you have thought it through and know whether you actually want to be there, you are also in control of setting a time limit to say, I'll definitely be there, but I'm going to stay for a short while um, just because I have to um, look at my own mental health as well. Or I'll just look at my energy levels as we go throughout the day, but I'll definitely be there even if it's just for a short hello. And that way it lets the other person know that you want to be there. You show up, but you have control over your time because a lot of the anxiety comes from not knowing what to expect. And that's why oftentimes we have a good time even when we thought that we didn't want to go somewhere. It's the unsurety of not knowing what to expect. It's the unsurety of how you will feel when you get into a certain situation. And it's the unsurety of how to deal with your discomfort when you experience it in a social environment. So um, if you know that you are prone to those type of anxieties, it's almost better to set a time limit for yourself and say, I'll see how I feel around 12 o'clock. And if by 12, I'm not up to it, I'll rather cancel the event or, um, I will go for a short period, but this is where I'm protecting my peace and this is how I'm protecting my energy. Because if you run dry at the end of the day, it's not going to mean anything to anyone else and you're not going to be able to mean anything to anyone else because you cannot pour from an empty cup. You need to be recharged, refueled, and um, in a good mental space to actually have fun and have those around you enjoy you and not be a drain on them. 
I love how you uh, draw those lines and how you set those boundaries slow. I think that's very, very important in saying, okay, this is my time and this is how I'm going to spend it. I mean, that really helps a lot with anxiety, those boundaries as well. And then, I mean, when you do eventually get to the event, uh, have you also discovered that you sometimes look for the exit just to make sure how to get out? Often, and I don't even have shame admitting it, that I have often gotten to a place and the vibe just didn't feel good or I felt uncomfortable and I would hang around for a little bit and then take the opportunity to say, guys, thank you so much. Unfortunately, I cannot stay very long, but um, I'll be um, still here for another coffee and then unfortunately I have to be on my way. Mm. And And your friends understand? Not always, unfortunately not, but you have to get to that place where your peace matters more than someone else's opinion. Because mm, mm. that's what we're usually afraid of. We're not afraid of, because you won't lose a friend over it and you won't lose a family member and have someone yell at you. We're just more afraid of letting someone down. So it's mm. the big judge in our own head that makes us feel so crap about wanting to avoid a certain situation. And it takes a while to learn how to draw boundaries, but it comes down to that thing that if you're not happy, you can't make anyone else around you happy. So you have to protect your peace and your energy um, levels. And if that means that you have to go and you cannot stay at a social event any longer, it's better to excuse yourself. Um, You don't have to make an excuse. You don't owe anyone an excuse. It's simply you protecting yourself from being hurt or being drained and then making everyone else feel bad as well. I think if people don't understand and they really don't understand or at least try to understand, I think you should question why they are in your life in the first place. Absolutely. Mm. Lo, thank you so much. Uh, That's uh, the lowdown on mental health for today. Understanding anxiety. Look out for your friends because some of them hide it really well. Isn't it so, Lo? That is so true. Um, I always say mental health silences the victim. So it's not the responsibility of the person who is dealing with it. It is the responsibility of the people on the outside who can see the battle uh, to reach out first. Lo, that's so, so true. Uh, Also, next week, we're talking about how to deal with COVID fatigue. That sounds interesting. In the meantime, how can we follow you on social media? I'm available on Instagram and Facebook, and it's Lo Breitenbach 02. And I often post mental health-related articles, some poetry, um, some helplines, and then some uh, general discussions that I have on there. So it's just Low Breitenbach 02 for Instagram and Facebook. Thank you, Low. Until next time.